1: This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams. As frontman and lyricist for Portuguese goth metal icon's Moonspell, Fernando Hibairu has been able to express his dark wolf heart on such classic albums as their atmospheric breakthrough Sin, Picado, which had his 21st anniversary reissue late last year, and 2015's Extinct, which rocks hard but is also haunting and beautiful at times. Their newest effort is 1755, a concept album sung entirely in their native language of Portuguese. It's about the Lisbon earthquake of 1755, which had a dramatic effect on the literal and spiritual landscape of that country. A man with much to say, Hibaidu actually studied philosophy at the University of Lisbon in the late 1990s and immersed himself in texts about religion, philosophy, and theology. He has also written poetry. For episode 12 of Side Jams, Fernando spoke with me via Skype while on tour in Europe with Moonspell to discuss his poetry, as well as book collecting, editing, and translating. The singer has actually translated books by H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe, and Richard Matheson into Portuguese. He even has his own venture called Alma Mater Books and Records, and literary releases from that company include his own poetry collection, which has been translated into English, along with the poetry of Romstein frontman Till Lindemann, translated from the original German into Portuguese. Fernando is an intriguing character for sure, and we had a lot of fun discussing his love for reading and collecting books.
2: Well, hello, Fernando. Thanks for joining me on Side Jams. My pleasure. It's actually our first time chatting, even though I've been listening to you guys for a while. And uh, funny, we were trying to chat a couple of days ago, and you guys caught. So you guys got caught almost in a hurricane on the way to Athens.
3: Yeah, we had to uh, cancel the show. First, it's a pleasure talking with you finally. Yes, likewise. I thank you for the opportunity. I mean, we started this tour in uh, Germany, and then uh, went all around Europe, France, and Portugal, and uh, Spain, etc. So we were um, coming to uh, Italy. We played two shows in Italy, and then we had to take the ferry to um, Athens. But um, all hell broke loose because um, there was a hurricane in Athens and uh, in Greece, which is not something too typical. <laughs> but um, wow. so we had to postpone this Athens show. We're going to fly to Athens after this tour to play um, that that show that got postponed. But uh, we could get a ferry. Uh, here to another city in, uh, in Greece, Thessaloniki, but um, right. we still got the aftermath of the earthquake. So the sea was very, very uh, brave, and it was a very, very angry, you know, and it was such um, a rough path to here, and as um, mean we tried to talk, but all communications were down. Our family was already like, you know, almost jumping on the boat to come from Portugal and save their their beloved um, sons. But uh, in the end of the day, all went well. And then uh, we arrived safe Save and Sound uh, here in, in time just to play the second Greek show. Tomorrow we're going to Turkey, to Istanbul, and we could save the tour. We had to sacrifice a gig in Athens. Uh, Capital of Greece, but uh, then we'll be back here in um, in January. So right now we are in firm land and uh, quite safe, and the sun is up. So we were catching some sun because uh, yesterday was really, really terrible, even for a golf person uh, used to darkness and thunder. (laughs) It was a really, really, um, you know, uh, hard time. Yeah,
2: for your side jams, you're into book collecting, editing, and translating. That's like a, a trio of things.
3: Yeah, I'm, I always loved books when I was a kid, and I always loved how metal was connected with books. You know, many people listen, for instance, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by um, Iron Maiden. Yeah. They think perhaps it's a Steve Harry's lyric. It's not, or Bruce Dickinson. It's a very big poem from um, one of the biggest you know, British poets, John Coltridge, called The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, and yeah. Maiden just did the music around it. So I always loved this deep connection between literature, books, and rock music or metal, which is something that sometimes people forget about. So I always tried, not only Moonspell, to have this literature influence, but also I started to translate. First, you know, the usual suspects, H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe, but I think that the biggest book so far I've translated from English to Portuguese was I Am Legend by Richard um, Matheson. And um, sometimes I do translate uh, other stuff. I wrote my own poetry books. Now I have a collection in English. If you want, I can send one your way. That's not a problem. It's called Purgatorial. Yeah, Purgatorial, like uh, something related to Purgatory. Yeah, I did that. And also um, right now I have a small um, book publisher that uh, is um, printing some books. Uh, One of the books is my small anthology in English but also um, to bring the book culture connected with music to Portugal. For instance, the second book we've printed was Thiel Lindemann. He's the singer of Rammstein. He also writes Uh poetry, and he he has beautiful poetry in Germany, like his own style, quite brutal. And uh, we bought the rights and and, and, um, had a professional translator. I don't speak German. Translated it into, into Portuguese. So, and the book collecting... It's something like, um, I mean, best example is always, uh, you know, to tell a little story. There's these um, Israel fans that are coming to um, Bucharest on this tour, but the show was sold out, so they couldn't find tickets. So they wrote me on email or social media. They um, asked me, well, can you put a, because we have all our flights and our, you know, vacations planned, but it's very sad if we couldn't find two tickets and say, well... You came to the right person, so I'm Fernando, the singer of Moonspell, and for sure I can put you on our guest list. And then they asked me, do you want something? I said, no, it's okay, come on, you're already spending enough money, buy some shirt or some vinyl. And then they insisted so much that I said, well, I really want something. I want an Old Testament Bible, Old Testament Bible in Hebrew. And in the, and they are bringing me a Bible in Hebrew, so that's the the kind of of like For instance, my son is named Faustu Faust, which is also a very big book from the German um, author Goethe, and yeah. I have um, a first translation uh, from Portuguese from the forties. So I got some I got some stuff, yeah, and uh, I got some cool records signed. But I I, I have to say, not to disappoint anyone. Because I'm a musician, I like metal, but I sometimes I like books um, better. They are more, um, how can I say? They allow you to uh, imagine more things yourself. While music has a lot of quotes and programs, etc. While book, you know, you read the book. it has a tree. You think about the tree that you saw when you were growing up in school. I will think about the tree that I saw when I was growing up and going to school. And I think that's the magic of literature, and I really love that.
2: So what is the name of your book company then?
3: What's the it's actual? Called Alma Mater Books. And so you've done two books so far, or there are more? Well, uh, so far we have done three books uh, mine, Phil Lindemann from Amstein, Portuguese version, and also um, we did um, a book of poems of um, the singer of an industrial uh, metal band uh, in Portugal. But right now we are very open to, you know not only have stuff from public domain, there's a lot of stuff that I would like to have um, in the Portuguese, and nowadays I'm more connected with the industry, but would love to have, uh, for instance, Harry Rowling's books, they never got a a, a Portuguese treatment. I love Mm. the way he writes, so probably I'm going to try, um, you know, um, write his publisher and try to to find out a deal uh, that I can afford, obviously. That, that kind of stuff, more poetry, people connected to music uh, or sports that write poetry. So we have a lot of, um, a lot of things that, um, that are going on uh, with the label. The book business is a bit slower for me than the music business. I want it to be uh, that way. Um, definitely. But uh, yeah. like I said, it's just yeah, it's just my side jam. it's just um, what keeps me also sane. For instance, on this um, nowadays, at this stage of my life, I don't read anything that has less than a thousand pages. You know, wow. even, even on tour, I'm reading a, a book from a Portuguese um, author called Miguel Torga. Uh, it's his autobiography. It comes from the Spanish Civil War up to the Portugal of today. And already um, the tour is like, I don't know, a couple of weeks in and I'm almost finished. But I have my Kindle because I'm not, I like the books, but as I travel a lot, I like the idea yeah. of having 600 books on my Kindle and <laughs> not to bring 600 <laughs> books on tour. You
2: know? Well, yeah, that's the, tr- that's the tricky part. I mean, I have this discussion with people. I mean, like, yeah. you know, I know people, I know people who commute in the city. And so, you know, they look, read books on their phone. I can't do that. It's like, but I understand why people do it. I mean, I think actually, for example, for Hollywood executives, it works out our script readers, development people, because I remember the days when people would go, I, I worked in Hollywood like 25 years ago. And I remember people would take a whole bunch of scripts with them on a trip and so, I can understand having it on a Kindle is easier than carrying around a duffel bag full of, of pages, basically. Yeah, I mean,
3: um, i I just um, uh, the last book I read was called uh, The Benevolence by Jonathan Little. Little. And yeah. uh, it's uh, more than a 1,000 pages. And I was traveling a lot, so I read half of it on the Kindle and half of it on the book. Yeah, but I finished on the physical book. I came home and I was like, wow. My wife's like, well, hello, I love you. And let's kiss, let's hug my kid as well. But then when I had the chance, I was already like, she was like, you already reading that shit? I say, yeah, i already reading <laughs> this because I, I definitely have to, to finish it um, as soon as possible. So I bring some paper books, physical books. I bring the kino as a backup, definitely. But also on the other hand, people give me a lot of books uh, on the road. They know the fans know I like it. So I have uh, crazy books and sometimes I, I pick up some and start reading it and really enjoy it. It's like more of a, an addiction as well. I really like to read when I'm eating, when, before I go to bed. So there's always time to read. And when people say, well, how do you have time to read? I say, well, if I don't have time to read, I don't have time to do anything else. I don't have time to write. I'll not write lyrics for Moonspell, so I'll be out of, out, of, uh, out of job as well.
2: What is your poetry like?
3: Well, it's quite different from the Moonspell lyrics because I tap more into my life and I don't have to have a a real subject. Let's call it um, this way. So I wrote three books. The last book I wrote was about uh, my breakup with my ex-wife. It's called A Shadowy Dialogue. So a dialogue Uh between shadows of people that don't understand each other anymore but are trying to survive in each other's presence. Then I had the second book, Back in 2005, I think, called the, the Essential Wounds, like a wound, like a flesh wound, about everything that was dark but important uh, in my life. And the first book I wrote was 2001. It's called How to Dig an Abyss. Uh, and it was about everything coming from uh, my flirting at, with the university teachers, up to uh, you know demonology. It's a quite a um, crazy book. Nowadays I'm working in a very different project called "Say It with a Poem," and it's a collection of IQs when I'm pissed as, at someone Aiku, or at, okay. yeah at the scene or at someone in the street. Instead of, you know, just going crazy and do something stupid, I say it with the poem. So that will be the, and I think it will be ready in 2020. It's going to be a different book. A couple of, um, of poems, like in this short haiku format. And I think maybe people will will dig it because it's something that you can read in 15, 20 minutes.
2: So is, there, is any of this stuff going to be translated in, into English or has it been translated into yeah. English?
3: tutorial I'm going to send you one usually it's going to send me uh, your address by here, okay. and uh, I'm going to to uh, ship you one from the road when um, the other one is out I can definitely send it away definitely
2: yeah thanks I would love to check it out I mean it's interesting when people get to do other stuff outside of that you seem to be you seem to be someone who really likes to feed his mind I mean obviously you were going to school while you were in this band and that's not that that's not easy when you're trying to write and record and tour and you know go to class.
3: It's very hard and uh, sometimes I had to choose between uh, by having an academic career as a philosophy teacher or investigator or um, Moonspell and Moonspell is much more um, something uh, of a gut feeling it's not really it doesn't really it's not really my choice it kind of chose me because in 98 I had no other no time after seeing to uh, go on to the master and to the to the you know being a doctor uh, like we say, a PhD, not a PhD, but the other, the other level already, uh, a master. And um, so um, I decided to have a life of touring, et cetera. But I never believed that one thing definitely puts the other off. You know, I can always read, I can always write lyrics. I always have an audience as well that is willing to probably read a little bit more that's called intelligent or thoughtful lyrics. So um, even though I cannot study physically these days and go to university, I definitely never stopped studying. And many of my uh, favorite books when it comes to philosophy, et cetera, I had the chance also to travel to those countries, to go, to go to those universities, to talk with people that in a way also, I wouldn't say met, but uh, contacted with these, uh, with these uh, philosopher works. Their native languages. So I think it's always something that you can definitely uh, do yourself if you have the discipline, and especially if you like it, you know. Because everything is a question of uh, being fond of it uh, as well. And I love to read, and read is definitely my comfort zone: philosophy, poetry, novels. It, it doesn't matter. It's something that uh, really puts me in the in the right place. Actually, I don't know if it happens to you if you're a bookworm, but there's this stages that you don't really have a book to read and you're all nervous you know you don't feel well (laughs) it's strange and you're all cranky and you know nobody can mess with you but when you find a book it's like a little drug you know it's just okay i'm here so i'm gonna read all these pages and i'll be quiet (laughs) well
2: you know it's funny i mean i collect so much stuff i have so many books and comic books that i've collected over the years that i'm always behind my my problem is i'm as I'm getting older, I'm like, oh my god, now I have to read all of this, or I have to, I have all these movies I've collected that I want to watch, so it's funny because, you know, there's that Netflix show with that woman, Marie Kondo, I don't know if oh, that's uh, popular in Europe, but, you know, she's always about the feng shui thing, about re- getting rid of things, and reducing yeah, the clutter yeah. in your life, and saying, saying goodbye to stuff. The minimalist well.
3: thing, yeah.
2: Yeah, but then, you know, there was, I found an essay online where someone's like, "Oh the hell with that, man, a lot of book collectors like having more books than they can read, because it means there's always something to read, and it's I guess it's it's the passion for learning something new. It's a, of, of accumulating knowledge. And I remember once I I went on a, a date with somebody and I and I went back to their place and like they had no books, they had Uh-oh. no CDs, they had no movies. And I was like, wow. I mean, they weren't they worked a lot. They weren't home a lot. But I was just like, wow. There's like none of that here. And I mean, you know, it might have been all digital for all I know. But then there's that there's that funny John Waters quote, you know, where he says. You go to someone's place and they don't have any books, you know, don't fuck them.
3: <laughs> well, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm always uh, very suspicious about people that don't have stuff. I mean, this is the 2000s, you know, there's a lot of feng shui, there's a lot of yoga, there's a lot of Western people trying to go Oriental. But, um, I mean, we are collectors. We like stuff, you know, Western people from Portugal, from the States. We like the physical stuff. We brought all our society based upon the object, you know. So it will be very hard for me to get rid of my first editions of Kazantzakis or Guta or Lovecrafts just because of one idea that some guy in Tibet or China thought about it, you know. I'm not too um, convinced about this um, getting rid of stuff and everything in your mind. You cannot kindle a fire without wood, with, without fuel. So um, I'm it's sorry. great analogy. But, yeah. So I, I can't go, um, you know, and feed myself out of the sun or something like that. I need the books, and I need them. The Kindle or whatnot. Uh, I need the stuff. I need to know that vinyl is there, even if I'm not going to listen to it.
2: You know. <laughs> well, you know, you know, there's something to be said. Like, you know, I'm trying to take some stuff. I've been, you know, going to take some a little bit of stuff out of here and, and take it to my parents just to have it store, just to store it rather than getting a storage unit. I mean, and what's funny is that I I like to have some things around simply because oftentimes, yeah, you can have it in your iTunes, you can have it in your Kindle, but you don't always remember you have it. It's hard. It's hard to think you'd forget about something you like, but you know when you start collecting more things, you go through a phase of listening to something or reading something. You, you forget certain little gems that you have, and and sometimes I just go through my CDs or my books. I'm like, oh yeah, I have that, or I have this comic book I haven't read yet. And if you just have it in a list somewhere, it's not quite the same thing. And it's
3: easier to find the Kindle. Sometimes I'm like, where, where is this? And uh, when I go to my bookshelves, which are not very well organized, organized by taste. Or organized by mood, you know. Right. I still have to work on my um, because I, I have a big apartment, uh, 100 kilometers from Lisbon, and I have my office, obviously full of final book and tapes and etc. But I also have a, a basement that I'm organizing since three years <laughs> with the books. Oh my god. But, but, you know, it's a work in progress and it's our—it's a, a retirement plan. I'm from Portugal, so easily um, in a few years' time I could afford a cabin by the sea. And guess what What I'm taking? My books, you know, and I'm going to wake up in the morning. My kid will be raised. My wife will is going to do whatever she, she's going to do back uh, in the future. And I'm going to make some tea and some coffee and read Proust and read uh, the big books. You know, and that's that's what I want when I'm not um, rock and rolling around the world anymore. I think that for me, it sounds like a plan. If I get rid of the books, honestly, I'll. Uh, I'm that kind of person that will put um, will insure the books, like in a company, then uh, yeah. give them away.
2: <laughs> wow! Have you done editing and translating outside of your own book company?
3: Yeah, I worked for um, um, a big publishing group in Portugal called Emer- Emergency Exit, but in Portugal. Okay. And they have, um, they have a lot of stuff. I did the Mason, uh, um book for them, but they have stuff from uh, George R.R. R. Martin, you know, Game of Thrones, up yeah. to um, Nora Roberts, the great bestseller um, as well. So they have a lot of stuff. But obviously, I expertise more on the horror, fiction, Etc. And I write on their magazine as well about the music and.
2: So are there any 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 uh, well-known titles here that you've translated into Portuguese over there?
3: Well, I've translated the music of Eric San by uh, Lovecraft. I translated I Am legends and uh, Duo. Wow. The shorter tales. Yeah. Um, I've translated also for um, a comic company uh, a comic uh, uh, Lovecraft biography. And here and there, I've translated a lot of stuff. Right now, I'm um, as a personal project, I'm translating some of the else-crawling poems because it's public domain, and oh, I really? probably will, will make a book. Yeah, I'll probably make a book uh, about it. But if you ask me what I would love to to have in my, um, I love French poetry, and there's this poet called Verlaine, very important poet from uh, 19th century, and um, right. in the 60s and in the 70s. French culture was so big in Portugal. Nowadays, it's a bit smaller. I think everywhere, but uh, since then, there is not one edition from his uh, erotic poetry. It's three volumes, and I'm chasing that, but it's it's hard because of the family, etc. So there's many titles I would love to do, definitely.
2: Al- Alistair Crowley sounds like it's right up your alley in terms of Moonspell.
3: Yeah, he's he's a he's a weird guy, and his uh, poems. Um, are a, a mix between eroticism and ritual, so you really have to, uh, you know, dig deep into it. And probably say I have like one or two months off the road. I will definitely already translated five or six, and I thought, well, this is definitely a hard one to uh, hard nut to crack.
2: We were talking about sin, and I was thinking about your albums and even more recent stuff like Extinct. There's definitely a bit of a Middle Eastern vibe to certain tunes. Um, now, I know that, you know, for for hundreds of years, Moorish culture had a, a lot of influence in Spain. Was it the same yeah. in Portugal?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, at the time, there wasn't Portugal or Spain. There was a big region called Iberia. And, That's, right. Um, That's right. And the, the Muslim rule was, um, you know, Muslim rule and culture were very very important in um, in in Portugal and in Spain. Obviously nowadays people have this idea of Muslim culture as a terrorist culture, but back in the day they left us with a lot of um, amazing poetry, amazing inventions, you know, even our alphabet, uh, our way of thinking, sometimes the way you deal with the eroticism, for instance, uh, in Portugal, our way of talking. And um, there's a lot of anthologies from uh, Arabian culture and poetry uh, being made in Portugal. So I think that comes across in our culture and definitely in our music. And also the Portuguese, as you know, they have always been traders—not traitors, traders. They trade, traders, trade. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, they um, were always in the Silk Roots, trading spices and etc. So we always had a, a big, big contact. With as far as Japan coming through all the, the you know the, the, the Middle East, it's something that um, you know it's not a novelty for us. These people have, have always been a part, uh, physical and the cultural presence um, in the Portuguese um, mentality and also in the Portuguese territory.
2: Well, you know it's it's interesting. I, I I I don't think people here, like in the West, especially in America, really realize how uh, you know deep a lot of Arab culture runs because they only know about a minority of people hear about the bad things, they don't hear about the good things.
3: No, they they don't. I mean, um, and also, um, for instance, once I played in Lawrence, Kansas, and um, it's the lands, the hometown of William Burroughs, and I love William Burroughs, and I hate when yeah. people tell me, well, Americans have no culture, no literature. I think that's just a lot of um, BS, really, because American literature right. is awesome. You know, Kerouac, all the Beatniks, I mean, you name it, uh, Hemingway, that's right It exists. When it comes to what goes across America in the news, etc., it's a shame because um, honestly, all the times I've been in the States, I think people are more curious than afraid uh, about about um, about stuff. So I think that um, literature, poetry, food, cuisine, etc., are always the best way of connecting people. If you try to connect people forcefully through religion or society, or economy, well, that's not going to work. I mean, every time right. that people made peace with each other, is because they understood the mentality and the culture. But if you see them as competitors, religious competitors, economic competitors, yeah, yeah. not only in the States, but everywhere, uh, everywhere else in the world, it will be uh, very hard to uh, come up with you know harmony between the people.
2: You sound like you're a man who who appreciates culture. Oh definitely. Thank you very much. I appreciate no your problem. time,
3: Fernando. You're a very interesting guy. I really love the the interview. It's always nice to chat with people that actually took the time, you know, to understand your band and and let you talk.
1: That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment which will feature singer Tony Harnell of TNT, Westworld and Starbreaker Fame. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them to AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening.
0: Hey, this is Brad Page from the I'm In Love With That Song podcast, inviting you to join me as we explore a different song each episode, discovering what makes these songs great. The performances, arrangements, and the production tricks and techniques are all part of creating those magic moments that turn a good song into a great one. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into each song, listening to all those nuances that came together to make it a great song. Our journey takes us across the musical map, from The Beatles and The Stones to Aretha Franklin and Tom Petty, Kiss, The Cars, Todd Rundgren and Roxy Music, from Badfinger to Al Green, Stevie Wonder to David Bowie, From Aerosmith to the Zombies, we listen to it all on the I'm In Love With That Song podcast. You may be unfamiliar with some of these songs, and some of them you've probably heard a hundred times. But I bet if we listen closely, we can discover something new. So, join me on the I'm In Love With That Song podcast, and let's listen together, because I think you're going to love these songs too.